If you're an outdoor lover on the go, then odds are good that you have toys and equipment that you want to haul. Aluma Trailers, well, they've got you covered. Their trailers are built by a hardworking team in Bancroft, Iowa. They have models for nearly any and every hauling need, from ATV and UTV trailers to utility, snowmobile, motorcycle, car trailers, and even fully enclosed trailers like mine. Trust me when I say that Aluma trailers tow like a dream. Their trailers are constructed out of lightweight, strong, corrosion-resistant aluminum, and they are 100% maintenance-free. Plus, they come with an industry-best five-year warranty. Visit alumaklm.com to find a trailer that fits your needs. This episode of the Flush Podcast is brought to you by Walton's, Nutrisource, Onyx Hunt, and by Aluma Trailers. Today, I'm sitting in Kansas at a quail camp. We're celebrating, obviously, birds down in Kansas, but dogs, friendships, and life. We'll explain. Welcome to another episode of the Flush Podcast. I'm Travis Frank. I am your host, as always. Brandon Morton is the producer. Brandon is not here today because I am down in Kansas. And I say today, but as I look at the clock, it is 9.25. To my right is a gentleman that needs very little introduction, Mr. George Lyle, everybody. George, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Travis. Wow, what an introduction. Uh -huh. Not sure I deserve that. Uh, you deserve it because you got the cowboy hat on. And okay, because every time I go hunt with George Lyle, man, the women go crazy. The emails come in. I can't keep up. And uh, everybody loves your dogs. It's a good thing I still have my hunting boots on, and they're really <laughs> tall. Thanks, Travis. With I just like to think it just because of my dogs, not because of me, but anyway. It's your dogs. It's not you. Yeah. <laughs> you have a larger-than-life personality, which we will get to shortly, and this room is full of people right now. We are in, we're calling it Quail Camp, and you invited me to come down here. It's a special place, and it's a special group of people we're going to introduce shortly, but I think, I think, as the sun was setting tonight, my last shot of the season may have rang out. And when I pulled the trigger, the bird dropped. And it was a good feeling to see it go down, but it was also bittersweet because there's a chance that it might be my last bird of the season, George. And I don't ever want the season to end. I It's almost mid-January at this point here, and I don't know that it's going to work for me to get out again to another place. You, my friend... Have a few more days here with your friends, and um, you know there is a chance that I might sneak out to South Dakota, but I've got a lot of family stuff coming up here, and birthdays and things to celebrate. So I don't know if I'm going to get back out again, but the last shot I took was a good one. I don't want to talk about the shot before that because it wasn't my only shot when that bird was flying. No, that's by, okay. You know what? It was a series of shots, <laughs> and a series of two. No, no, two. Yeah, it was a series. Yeah, the bird flushed. And when you say series, it makes well, it sound like I unloaded thank a goodness, banana thank, clip me, or hold something. Hold on, let me stop you right there. Thank goodness you finally have, have come around to my way of thinking, and the only way to bird hunt 
these gentlemen bobs with a side, as my friend Steve Kane, who's sitting over here, would say is a side by each. Side by each. First Steve, time. I was going to wait and introduce you, but I've noticed you call it a side by each multiple times this weekend. That's what correct. the heck is a side by each, and there's, how does that come about? There's one on each side of each other. <laughs> it's supposed to be side by side. Yeah. And he was talking about his ATV last night. He kept calling it a side by each. And now today you're like, I'm going to be grabbing that side by each on the next walk. <laughs> yeah, well, what is with you guys? That's because my wife sits side by each of me. All right. All right. <laughs> you know, he's front to back. I don't know anyone else that call that. No, I've never heard anyone else call it that. Yeah. So back to the shot. Yeah. First of all. Tucker did a really nice job. Beautiful. Uh, went on point. We walked up there, and uh, you were off to my left. And Steve and I had, were coming in for the flush, and uh, the the bird. We must have been I don't know five five ten feet past where the bird flushed. And it peeled out behind us, but hooked hard right. And uh, you got on it, buddy. I mean, I wa- it was, you know, I always say watching good dog work is like poetry in motion. You say that all the time. I, I love d- it. Yeah. yeah. And so Tucker did the poetry in motion, but to watch you swing on that bird, and Steve and I got to see it like live action, you know, it was just so cool. Yes, your first shot was probably behind, but you caught up with the second shot. And uh, to watch watch the bird drop and then Daisy go hunt it up and and retrieve it to hand was was awesome. Do you know what what I do you notice that I didn't talk to her when she was out there? I, I said did. one word. No two actually. Daisy, fetch. Yeah, good job. You're you're listening. Yeah. You're paying attention. Because you scolded the, me yesterday. I did. Because you want the dog was hunting the bird, the dead bird. Steve had shot a bird and we were on a retrieve. And and Daisy was the one that was really hunting the bird up. And everyone's inst- everyone wants to like interject and tell the dog what to do all the time. When the dog is make game and they are actively hunting a down bird, and you can tell they're on the track, that is the time to keep your mouth closed. Don't keep telling the dog to you know fetch it up, hunt it up, find it, find it, find it. You're adding vocal distractions. The dog already knows what it's supposed to do. I kind of looked over at you and said, "Zip it, buddy." <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. you did and what yeah. happened and what happened well she was already engaged with the bird i came to the party late to my defense i didn't see her already know that she had i she had already scented the bird i was trying to because here's what i don't want her to do is as a pointing dog i don't want her to go after birds i want her to point the birds unless she is told go find that bird i didn't know at what point in the process she was I didn't know how All far right. she was into it. Okay. So I was trying to tell her, okay, Daisy, to your de- fetch. To your defense, Steve had already, she had already been over there. Yeah. Steve was there. She was there. Steve handles his own dogs. But you know his how dog- easy it is to talk about things after the fact when you know all of the information, <laughs> well, George? Okay. But well, also, I mean- Steve, right after Daisy brought that, that, that quill right back, right after that, did you notice when he was in the cover with, with Tucker? Pull that mic up there. Yep, you remember, yep. was he quiet in there? Uh, not so much. Not so much. <laughs> not so much, Mr. Lyle. Oh. Do and was, I have a lot of witnesses do here. Do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I talk about you almost every podcast because you are the man that has taught me everything that I know about dogs. I 
put a lot more trust into you than maybe you deserve. <laughs> but I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All of it's earned. And your dogs speak for themselves. The uh, hunting, everything about it. Um, I don't know where I was going with this. I think I was just going to try to give you a compliment here is what I was trying to do. I don't think I did a very good job of it, but do you accept? Yeah, I do. Thank okay. you. Thank you, Travis. <laughs> okay. Thank you. We spent three days down here in Kansas. And like I said, it's uh, January 10th-ish, something like that. Craig is giving me 9th. And the 9th, uh, it it doesn't matter, George. It doesn't. We're in Kansas. We're in Kansas. I will. And, you know, a lot of people say drier than a popcorn fart. You know, I've heard that. <laughs> wow. A lot. And I bet you've heard that too, George, right? Yeah, kids in seventh seventh grade and below don't say that in, in the class. Right. Room. But know, it actually, out. I think I figured out that what that means, and that's what we're experiencing down here right now. Yeah, it's really dry here in Kansas. By the way, I just want to say Kansas is about my boy. It's in the top three favorite states to come. People here are awesome, mm-hmm. and uh, the state's awesome and well, if you're gonna if you're to, gonna put it third, you got to say what's one and two. Then I didn't want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> you can't throw numbers out without explaining all. Of well, them. I don't know. Northern Wisconsin's pretty friggin' awesome. Yeah. Uh, for rough grouse, it, there's a tie between uh, Montana and North Dakota. North Dakota is a great state. Uh, Montana is awesome. Mm-hmm. So, but I just. I love Kansas because you come down here again. The people are awesome, and the, the opportunities that the state affords you on public ground and in some of the private ground is just awesome. Yeah, yep. Uh, there has been a pretty severe drought in this state, and a lot of talk. I haven't been here yet until this is my first hunt in Kansas for the season, uh, but there's a lot of anticipation because quail numbers had been reported to be pretty solid from a lot of people that I talked to. And the anticipation is pretty high. Uh, the last time you and I have been on a quail hunt, it was little did I know that it would probably be the greatest quail hunt of my life as far as the amount of birds that we found on public land. And that was in Oklahoma back in, oh, gosh, 2017-ish? 17? 16 or? 16 or 17. It was something. in the high of the highs. Yeah. And um, I think both well, we talked about it while we've been down here and um, kind of pinch ourselves to say what a moment that was. Mm-hmm. And I, sorry, all you Oklahomans, I shouldn't, that's a great state too for bird hunting, but you and I had an epic hunt and I don't want to use that word, you know, just throw it around. It was truly the most memorable quail hunt ever. And that was the first quail that was my first first quail, quail hunt. hunt. We had yeah. another first on this hunt. Daisy's first quail hunt was here. Here, here. this yeah, this is her first time hunting. And quail. then She's we'll, we're going to introduce everybody here in a minute. But yeah. my best friend from high school, John Malin's first quail hunt, mm-hmm. first quail in the bag. So yeah. that's cool. Yeah. Uh, but the Oklahoma deal, we had a twenty-four covey day yeah. on one turn with one dog. <laughs> Which I, you know, I, and people are going to go, what? Yeah. Uh, Tucker did a four and a half hour um, run, 24, 24 uh, Covey finds. And on the last 
Well, we kept trying to get back to the truck, but anyway, yeah, I had eventually had to pick him up because he was spent. He he, just, he stopped. We went on point. We're like, gosh, we were trying to get him to go the direction we wanted to go, but there were so many birds and scenting conditions were outstanding, and he just kept locking on point, locking on point, and then all of a sudden, all right, he's on point again. Got to go over there, and we get there, and we walk up in front of him, expecting another explosion, and um. He was just, he standing. just standing there because he had nothing left to give. He yeah, pulled his tail. standing there with his, his tail between his legs, going, yeah. "Dad, I got, I, I, I spent everything. I, I, all the dollars you put into me, I spent every one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Time to go home. <laughs> I, I, I showed up at the bar and I bought a round for everybody, and I'm out. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, we haven't, uh, we haven't reached 24 coveys in a day. Um, the conditions are, I think. Uh, Difficult. The, the, they're difficult, yeah, and so it. I think it it really changes what your expectations should be. If anybody coming down to Kansas, and and I know there are several of you because I've actually been receiving messages today because last episode I said I was coming down here to Kansas, so people have been asking where are you at, what are you seeing, what you, what's going on, are the birds there, and and um, I think my response to that is that they're here, but you would be amazed at how close you can walk to them and never know that they're there and walk right past them. And a prime example is um, our first day, George, a covey went out into a sorghum field and landed. You you swore that you saw quail. And you kept te- kept looking at us saying, guys, I... They were, I'm pretty sure they were quail. I suppose they could have been metal larks, but they really look like quail. And we're a few hundred yards away. So we get up to this open, uh, this big sorghum field. And we the, we have, how many dogs do we have in that field? Uh, Daisy was there. Tucker was there. Daisy, Tucker. was. I think that's it. Yeah. Really? Yeah, it was just. You didn't have them. Bob? Nope. No. Bob I was not that name there. for a dog, by the way. There was just two. Okay, so. Two dogs work through this area, and it's only the, that part of the field. It was only probably like, I don't know, 75 yards in width. And we took it straight south, right past where we thought the birds were. Absolutely no contacts with birds were, were made. We then made a loop back because you're like, well, maybe they were. Maybe they were uh, metal larks. And we walked past them again. And then we turned back, and somebody was standing there, and <laughs> out goes a quail. Yeah, it, it was amazing. We, I think we went walked by that covey, and I we only moved like forty or fifty yards, either Total. left or right. Total for four of us, four guys, four guys, two, two dogs. dogs, and we're walking. But you know, they got to be right here. And then yeah. when one went out, we said, "Holy cow, we got to slow down." And we just stood there. And I think uh, you know how you stand when in the end of a cattail push, and the pheasants just eventually get nervous and they start flushing. This is kind of what the quail did. Yeah. And after shooting and recovering a bird, walking past more birds, then turning and walking back again, then it was kind of like popcorn flushing. The whole cubby started to go. Yeah. And kept going and kept going. But I think the the moral of the story is that we were within, you know, one one to two feet of these birds standing there for quite a while before they would finally go. 
And the cover is so, I mean, it, imagine if you don't know what a cut sorghum field looks like, it's very similar to a cut cornfield. Um, the stocks are probably in that, that particular field. It was probably, I don't know, 14 inch stocks, probably. Um, and maybe 12, I don't know, but either, either way it's the, the cover is you wouldn't expect a bird to hold that tight in the field like they did. And that, that was kind of what played out. I mean, a lot of times when a dog goes on point, you expect a covey to explode. And what we learned later on was a random bird would flush and we wa- we'd keep going thinking, wow, what's a single doing here? And it turns out it wasn't a single. We just had to come back and work it really slow and give yeah. the dogs a lot of time to work an area. So I guess the... the the lessons learned here that we've applied then the next couple of days, George, you can add to this if you want, but any time a quail would get up, we, uh, we instantly assumed there was a covey there. Yeah, correct. Uh, the, you're get well, the point you're getting at is slow down and give your dogs a chance to work the area. I mean, we, this whole been, this is our what third day of hunting mm-hmm. and, um, Again, the slower we went and gave the dogs time to work the area, we, we, we found birds. We also watched dogs run pretty close to birds and miss them by just a couple of feet and come back yeah. and then find them. And so uh, there were places that we went where we were like, gosh, it just looks too good. We have to go back and circle through it again, which we, we did multiple times in the last couple of days. And that would be my recommendation for anybody coming down here quail hunting because the season lasts a few more weeks down here. So there's still plenty of time to get out and highly recommend it. The quail are here. I think if we had, you know, let's say we had uh, half an inch of rain, it changes everything, everything. And we probably would have seen, I don't know how many times more birds, but I think we would have seen quite a few more birds. Thursday, the percentage uh, day is today, today is Monday. This Thursday, we were looking at the weather, and it said 24% chance of rain. This morning, it said 75% chance of rain. For the folks where we are in Kansas, and pretty much the whole state of Kansas, Mm -hmm. any moisture they can get would be very A blessing. If we get some moisture on the ground, I think what will happen is our rate of covey fines per day will increase probably by 50%. I'd say sure. more than that. It could. Yeah. But yeah. The birds are down here. We've we've seen a few pheasants as well. That has not been a priority. Um, we come from pheasant country, and there's something about the explosion of quail that draws us down here, that has brought us here. But this entire quail camp is about a lot more than our dogs and chasing birds, which you say that would be enough to bring you down here, but this is a special gathering that we have down here. So I would like for you, George, if you're all right with it, would you introduce everybody in this room right now? You bet. You bet. I, uh, to my right of me is my friend Craig Poor. Craig and I met each other about a year and a half ago on a uh, Partners in Conservation uh, Pheasants Forever outing. And then uh, my best friend from high school, John Malin. We've known each other since 1982. Uh, that's that's a long time ago. That might actually 
tell everyone how old we might be. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Next, I, I don't yeah. comment. I was, I was going <laughs> to say something, but uh, I'm going to pass. Yeah, I mean, you know, still feel young as a. Oh yeah, you're in your spring, prime. Spring chicken. You're definitely in your prime for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's why I feel like I need a new hip. Uh, next, John across from me is my great friend Michelle Minton. Uh, we were neighbors uh, in. Back in Wisconsin, and next to her is my best friend, Britt Minton. Uh, and one of the reasons why we're all gathered here, we're all gathered here because we're great friends. I mean, we've been trying to put this deal together for many, many years. Uh, everyone in the room here, I'll just go to the next person, then I'll keep telling the story. My great friend, uh, Steve Kane. Uh, Steve and Britt, best friends from high school. They've, how long, when did you guys meet? Seventh, seventh grade. Seventh grade. You want to say what year that was? <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember that far back. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so each year I have a, I have a farmstead in, uh, in rural Southwest Minnesota. And uh, this group comes out every year and we, we have a pheasant camp. And um, after pheasant camp in in uh, first week of December, Steve and Britt would come down to Kansas and go quail on because I was like, you guys got to go to Kansas. It's just so awesome. And we're dealing with 15 inches of snow where I live and where they live. And you get down to Kansas and usually, I say usually no snow because last year I came down here twice and hit two blizzards. So <laughs> anyway, um, they've come every year after after my pheasant camp, our, our pheasant gathering. And then I always come like a month later and, uh, you know, we're trading stories back and forth, calling each other. How I'm, I'm always interested in what they're finding and, and, and their, how the luck they're having, whatever, and how great their shooting is. <laughs> <laughs> and then oh, and I'm, you can get in there, Brett. You go ahead and comment. Go ahead. Just go. Say, careful there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Then I would get down here and they go, okay, big boy, how, what's your shooting like? I'm like, yeah, I was probably missing as bad as you were. <laughs> anyway. Who, Steve, who took the most shots first day? The first day would be George. He was down here first. Oh, sure. And did he come home with a, with a quail? Uh, not exactly. Nope. Okay. Keep calling, George. Wow. Right <laughs> under the bus. Wait. <laughs> Craig Poor wants to say something. I say first day you took a shot with a staple in the tire. <laughs> oh, yeah. I did. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. Right. Hey, you know, that's a good point. When mm -hmm. it, it's really dry down here, so when, if you've got a new enough vehicle that shows tire pressure, mm -hmm. click the screen on your on your dash to show you all four tires what the pressure is. Because Craig told us uh, in the last month how many tires. I bet I fixed at least two tires a week. For how long? About in probably late no late October, probably when right before harvest started heavy, or we started drilling probably last September, and so you start driving down the dirt roads a lot more, and all the iron and stuff starts shaking up to the top, and you just, I mean, it's we're we're dry. It, it, that's so. Um, yesterday we came off this property, and I was walking back down the, the road, and I was literally picking up nails and iron 
every, I felt like 50 feet, John. I mean, it felt like it. Yeah, 50 yards. I don't know. But I was amazed at how much was on. Why is that right now that there's so much on the road? It's, it's really not so much right now. It's just over time, you know, stuff falls off the back of pickups, things fall off. I mean, bolts and stuff fall off the trucks. I've, I've, I've one point I had a 243 shell in a tire. I've had, I've had lag bolts in tires, hmm. you know, just, they fall off the back of a pickup, fall, shake out of the back of a vehicle. Um, it's just, it's so dry that the ground, I mean, we, you know, water lines, we, we have water district out here and the, and the ground's heaving and we're breaking and, you know, ponds are dry, you know, animals are looking for, I mean, it's just, and we're, we're just dry. It's, uh, things are shaking to the top and when things shake to the top, the tires pick them up. Hmm. Uh, you have several titles down here. Um, from maybe start you're you're a, a husband and a father and then you're also are you fire chief uh, i'm a husband and a father i'm a sixth generation farmer i'm the assistant fire chief for our local uh, fire department here in alton kansas and uh george and i met i was the uh, i was the past chair of the uh, united sorghum checkoff program which uh, we we do a lot of, um, right now we're doing stuff or have been doing stuff last few years with uh, uh, Pheasants Forever and, and working on Sorghum for Birds. And, and that's kind of how George, uh, you know, the, the partnership through the, through the, corporate, the corporate hunt deal, uh, myself and uh, the other uh, chairman for uh, National Sorghum Producers went along and we had a ball. Uh, you know, the, all the guys up there that kind of knew each other and we walked in as a couple newbies and greenies and they just kind of took us in and just a couple of Kansas boys all of a sudden traveled north <laughs> with all the crew. And we, we had a great time, uh, hunting up there in, in South Dakota. Yeah. Well, it's, it's been a, it's just been a pleasure to meet all of you. Um, and I think George, I didn't want to interrupt what you were about to explain, but I think you wanted to explain why, or maybe if you don't mind, if you're comfortable with it, explaining why we've all come here this weekend to spend some time together. Well, we've come, come here because this is what friends need to do. Mm -hmm. uh, when you've got, when you've got great friends, you need to spend time together. We all have a timestamp at some point. We don't know when that is. And, uh, my best friend, Britt Mitten, unfortunately, he has ALS, and we came together because uh, we want to make everyone aware of this very debilitating disease, and uh, thanks to you, Travis, we're going to put it out there on uh, Flush Television and let Britt's story and Michelle's story and their families uh, struggle. And, um, you know, there's a lot of other families out there that, are, that have to deal with this terrible illness. Um, but uh, as sad as it is, we are celebrating our friendship to the fullest and, and taking every moment in that we possibly can together. Um, earlier this year, we went to, uh, North Dakota and 
we got our first uh, sharp tail grouse. Uh, both Britt and Steve had never really hunted sharp tails, so we got that. And uh, then shortly after that, Britt and Steve went into a um, – there's a uh, annual rough grouse and woodcock championship, which is really cool. I've been in with it. They invited me a couple of, – uh, boy, it's probably been 15 years ago now. But anyway, we had a ball. And so every yeah. time those two get to do it – I'm like, dang it, I would wish I could run back to Wisconsin and do that with <laughs> you guys because it's just a hoot. It's it, it's, it's fabulous. So uh, Steve and Britt did that right after we were in North Dakota. Then we did uh, pheasant camp this year. At, uh, again, we do that every year at my place. And, and this year was like, all right, let's put the team together. We're going to do this in Kansas because, again, I t- said that earlier. They've come down, then I come down later. And, and then uh, – Put it all together to get John Malin to get all the way from Chicago area to come out with us. Um, it's just we're just here celebrating uh, our friendship and and uh, making the greatest memories that we possibly can. Yeah, it's just been such uh, just an honor for me to be able to hang out with you guys. I mean, George, you and I, our friendship is I can't really explain it. You know, we've spent a lot of time together over the last seven, eight, nine years. I don't know how long we've been hunting together, but it's been, I've just been a real, you've been a real blessing in my life. And now to come and meet some of your childhood friends and people that you've spent so much time with, you know, and we are staying in this, in this house. Let's call it quail camp. We're all here together. Um, Steve and I have been bunkmates in the living room, <laughs> and we've been uh, really close. Really close. Uh, he thought his my couch was his couch the first night, <laughs> but I had uh, a few whiskeys. You, you might have. Uh, but just the stories and the laughs and the time that we've got to share. It reminds me, um, you know, you guys have gone way back into some of the stories and the laughs and the tears that have been coming out this weekend because of just laughing that hard. It's good for the soul. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, Britt and Michelle's daughters are the same age as my daughters, and we were neighbors. I say neighbors. We lived in rural Wisconsin, and uh, so they were about a mile away from us. But I'm pretty sure I could look at Michelle and Britt and go, I don't know how many weekends escaped us back in the day, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't know any Wisconsinites listening, but Friday night fish fries are like, you know, going to church on Sunday. So, uh, yeah, we shared a lot of fish fries together. And I hope you've bagged a few pheasants, grouse and quail this season, maybe even a few ducks, geese and deer, too. Whatever you're hunting for, Waltons can help you finish the hunting process, bringing your wild game full circle. Whether you need to mix, grind, or stuff, Waltons will surely have your new favorite pieces of meat processing equipment. Don't spoil your hard work in the field by letting that meat get freezer burned. Save right now on vacuum sealers and bags. Bag up your birds, your jerky, snack sticks, and summer sausage, and have your meat last all year for long-term storage. Find everything, and I mean everything, you need to process and prepare your meat at Waltons.com. And while you're there, sign up for their free monthly giveaways and check out what John Tremblay and the Waltons team is working on in their Meatgistics community. 
Waltons, they have everything but the meat. I love my dog, and like you, I always want to make sure that she has what she needs to stay healthy year-round and perform at her best in the field. That's why I feed Daisy Nutrisource high-performance dog food. Nutrisource dog food comes with their good-for-life system that includes four key ingredients that work together to support gut health, heart health, and the overall well-being of our dogs. I have complete confidence that my dog has all of the nutrition to excel in the field and make it through a rigorous hunting season. I've seen it firsthand, and she loves her food. Take it from me and my dog, Daisy. Nutrisource high-performance dog food can help your dog reach their full potential. Find the food that's right for your dog at NutrisourcePetFoods.com. If you've used the Onyx Hunt app before, then you realize how valuable it is in the field when you're hunting and all of the information that it shows you. And now Onyx just released a new feature. If you run the Onyx Hunt app on an iPhone, you now have Apple CarPlay. Yep, the app now works on the dash in your vehicle. And if you have an Android or a phone that's not an iPhone, they're working on the exact same thing that will be released soon. So instead of holding onto your phone, trying to understand who owns which property, it's right there on the dash, just like the maps that you would see on Google Maps or Waze or whatever um, navigation system you use in your vehicle. Now you just touch the Onyx app. If you don't have it in your car yet, all you have to do is go into your phone and update the app and it will automatically show up Click the on X, the red X, and you're good to go. All of the layers that you have and all of the waypoints are going to show up on the map, just like if you're using it on your phone. Onyx maps work in the field, and now they work in your vehicle too. Onyx Hunt always helps you to know where you stand. Well, I I, I want to do justice to how special this group is and what I've been able to witness here and, and share with you guys. Um, so I apologize if I missed some, some of the important pieces here, but I'll do my best. Um, Michelle has been just such a wonderful addition to this weekend. And she's been here to help um, Britt. And Britt, if you would like to add anything at all, please grab that mic and do so. Well, just I didn't know any of this was happening on the way down. I was I was coming just to hunt. Yeah. So and to be with my buddies. Yeah. So and you know, it's what you're gonna do to have have fun and you know, you know, you're kinda Limited on time, so is what it is. Can I ask? So, are you comfortable sharing? Um, what are you? What what challenges are you facing right now that make it difficult to go out and do what your brain wants to do and your desire is to do to go out and hunt with these boys? Well, I, just physically, it's hard to get around. I just I get tired really easy. And, and, uh, I've already took a couple of diggers already, and uh, yeah. So it's mobility is is tough. Uh, had a little trouble getting a safety off today a couple of times, but um, and is that just because of the strength in yep. your hands is, have left? Yes, it's uh, everything is taking its toll. Yeah. 
So. Um, so your wonderful bride, Michelle, has been here, and she's been carrying your shotgun. And she also has a folding chair. And so what she has been doing, bless her heart, um, has been walking alongside. And your dog, Carter, has been hunting with all of us. And you go as far as you can go. And when the opportunity presents itself, she's been helping to get you into position to move in. Um, but a lot of, lot of times um, you have, I would say, maybe, Michelle, how far do you think you anticipate going between stops? How has it been going for you? As the hunt has been, as we've been hunting, I guess my question is, um, describe what that's been like for you. You, you just, Britt and I never know when his tank is going to empty. So he can wake up and he can go really far sometimes. And sometimes it will just, you know, he, he'll seize up. And so um, every step of this journey we are committed to do together. Yeah. And I'm not going to miss a moment with him. And I'm so thankful that now I see this part of his life firsthand. And I really wish that way back when, when we didn't know, that we could have been doing this yeah. together. Because we, it's just, it's there aren't any distractions. It's just so pristine. There's smells, there's sights, there's sounds, there's the dog, there's... It, it's truly a way to connect. I mean, it's truly a way to connect. And so what we're doing, to me, just grab the chair and put it under him, that's okay because now we can look out on the horizon together or whatever, you know? Yeah. So it's just, I'm yeah. thankful. You, you ex I don't know. I think you, I don't know if you realize, but you brought the room to tears when we were making dinner earlier because you explained what it was like to watch this group hunt together. And you said, I get it now. You know, I do. All There's these a years, trust. all these years when yeah. they were going to hunt together, you wondered, what were they doing? I know. I'm like, you're just taking that dog and you're going to be gone. I'm at home doing all this stuff with the kids. No. But it is, there's a trust. There's a, there's an unspoken language. There is a, they're, they're working all day, but just working in such a neat way that involves all senses, watching your dog, you know, making sure your dog has water and, and watching out for one another. And when, where's the placement, where's the bird coming from and communicating in ways and not slamming car doors. Um, <laughs> oh, we're working on that one. <laughs> Still working on that. But there's just a, you have one another's back and, I don't. I, I just can't describe it. It's the neatest thing I've ever experienced, and I'm just so. I just regret that I haven't taken a part of it earlier. I really do, because because this is just. I guess I'm so thankful that I have it now with Brett. Yeah. Every day with him. Um, I've been watching, and you know we're we're out there looking for birds, and your eye has been looking for what. Well, I don't have a very good attention span. <laughs> so I just kind of notice little um, dried flowers and collections, and I just kind of pick them. And sometimes it causes trouble if I'm 
carrying the gun at the same time. And um, when we were out in Minnesota by George, there was one spot and Britt was asking for his gun and I was looking the other way with a, at a weed. <laughs> Give me the gun. So I, um, that's a matter of trust too, because then I have to just, you know, this is my first priority. So yeah. you guys are a team. Yes, um, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, he's watching uh, the dog and you are picking the most unique, <laughs> cool bouquets that I have ever seen anybody leave a field with. But, but <laughs> shotgun bouquets. Hold on. Hold on. Craig Poor wants to just describe this a little bit. Please, Craig. They are beautiful shotgun shell bouquets. Yes. <laughs> with blue stem and stickers and sorghum <laughs> and all sorts of grasses in them. I mean, they are like, Mwah! I mean, it's just they they make the they make the art boutique just woo. I cannot wait because Michelle said that I get to bring one home and I want to show my wife. And I think they're really cool because there's also quail feathers coming out of the shotgun shell, you know. Yeah. And so it's all all captured there i, I gotta interrupt you uh trev please um that was like the most eloquent uh description of michelle's artwork i've heard in a long time <laughs> so thank you craig poor for that that was i mean wow that was awesome and oh yeah that yeah yeah he was talking a little bit with his hands but um we've been joking and actually in rural minnesota she did the same thing at my place and and i have i have a beautiful uh, picture window looking over the prairie and right now in that picture window is is about 10 of these shotgun shell bouquets and i look at them and go hmm those look like weeds to me <laughs> but <laughs> they they are cool because they're all dried and so yeah. the joke this week has been um and she's picking all this stuff off your property craig and i hope you don't mind but uh, the Wisconsin, um, what'd you say, Britt? The weed com Brit goes, honey, the weed com commissioner is going to show up at our, at our house and be like, what are all these noxious weeds and where'd they come from? <laughs> because the Minton household is going to be full of, sorry, not the house out in the yard. Cause these things are going to like, they're going to go to seed. They're going to go to seed. <laughs> yeah. and, and Wisconsin is now going to have weeds that they, never knew existed outside of maybe Kansas or, you know, this, this, George this Lyle. area. You keep them in your house. Oh, so you don't walk around the yard with them. Yeah. The <laughs> other thing that I love about having Michelle here is she calls everyone by their first and last name and it is necessary. And I love everything about it. Yeah. George so Lyle. 20, 22, 23, 24 years, however long we've known each other. When I first met Michelle, I am, George, wait, what's your last name? Because Michelle Mitten for 22 years, George Lyle? <laughs> yes. And if it's Steve Kane, for some reason, Steve gets off because he's only, but it's not Steve. She Steven. calls him Steven. <laughs> Just like Steve's wife does. Steven. And, and, and the deflection in the voice could tell you if it's a, a urgent situation where Steve's probably in trouble. Where everything's okay. <laughs> uh, what about Johnny? He seems to get off 
pretty he's scott pretty free quiet over there, over there yeah, isn't he? He is. yeah he hasn't said much of anything yet john welcome to the conversation where have you come from you. where where you uh how far did you travel to get here Oh, about 750 miles. What keeps you coming back to hang out with this crew here, this uh, Motley crew? Well, it's, uh, sometimes I wonder, but really, <laughs> yeah, yeah. truth be told, it's it's really a, a great time coming out here. Yeah. It's well worth the trip. Uh, I drive by myself out here and, and uh, listen to the radio a little bit and look forward to getting together with these guys and doing some hunting and all the uh, all the stuff that goes along with uh, yeah. hunt camp. Uh, so you taught George how to play hockey, and he taught you how to hunt. Is that uh, accurate? Yeah. I, well, let's let's maybe let's go with I kind of polished George's hockey skills, and he taught me how to hunt <laughs> from from walking to running. He's he's saying that you're number one right now, George's. <laughs> wow. Flying. <laughs> Any rebuttal, sir? The rebuttal is is what? Well, I'm just no. I'm, I'm not asking so that's much. Not, this that wasn't about, a, I'm learning so much about you this weekend from all of your. It's you know, that, friends. that right there in lies of serious rub, because I should have never let you around my best friends, because <laughs> now you might know a whole lot more about me. Yeah, the the onion layers are getting peeled back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. <laughs> thanks, John. But George really did take you hunting for the first time. He, he and he did. shared yeah, the story it, it, and we laughed. Oh my gosh. I like that's why I say that I want to do justice to this. There's so many directions we can go with this conversation tonight. And believe it or not, we are already 40 minutes in. And we haven't told any of your good stories yet from your first hunt. So would you at least take us back to that first experience and tell it like you told it at 1 a.m. the other night? Because that was pretty good, George. Would you please? Wait, you want me to tell the story? You want John well, to tell the story? I feel like you guys did it well the other day. I wish I was. I wish I had hit record. We should have hit record the other morning. Well, George does the, a lot of talking, so I'll let him talk. Wow, wow. There's a lot of people with crickets in their mouth around here this evening. All right, you want me to go? Go for it. All right, so uh, I had never carried a gun in the in the woods before, and uh, George says, "Hey, let's go grouse hunting up in northern Minnesota, like literally miles from the Canadian border." Oh, sure. where are you from? And this is you guys are in Chicago. We're in Chicago. Yeah, we're in the suburbs of Chicago. Uh, George and I went to high school together. Uh, I had just finished college, and George had a year or two more to go with college. And uh, that's being generous, by the way. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. I should have. We're one. We're one year apart in age. So he graduated high school one year ahead of me. Do the math. John graduated in four years. It took me a little bit longer, but I did get a college degree. It's not <laughs> how you get there. It's just how you, it's not, yeah, no, it's just that you get there. Yeah. yeah. Enjoy the it, journey. Yeah. I was enjoy. if my dad was still alive, he'd be rolling his eyes. He's like, man, like I said, I always tell people when I walked in the first day of college, I didn't hear the starter pistol go off. I didn't know it was a race to the finish. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got a little bit different conversation from my dad. He said, John. 
you have four years <laughs> or four choices. Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, or finish in four years. And I, I believed him, and I got it done in four years. Right on. Somehow. So anyway, back to northern right, Minnesota. So, uh, so you George's, strap a canoe on, yeah, I believe. So I've, I've got a, a Mazda 626, and I decide, well, we'll drive this up to northern Minnesota with a canoe on top. <laughs> so me and George pop this canoe up on top of my car, strap it down, throw all our stuff in the back. Uh, he's got a young, young dog, Black Lab, and uh, off we go. So we're driving up there, and we decide to leave at 6.30 p.m. Chicago time and drive up to northern Minnesota, which is, what, a 10-hour drive? Probably 10 hours, yeah. yeah. So we get there for breakfast, and we're driving through the middle of the night, uh, and then all of a sudden the deer decide to invade the highway, and we're playing dodgeball with deer, uh, and we get there without hitting anything and, and it's, we get there safely, have some breakfast in, uh, or, or, or Minnesota. Minnesota. Yep. Uh, Patton's cafe. Yep. So finish breakfast, start driving down some gravel roads to the, uh, Portage trail or trailhead. And, uh, I happen to make a sharp right turn at about eight miles an hour and the canoe nearly falls off my car. <laughs> so we'd been driving for 10 hours at some speed limit Maybe. or unknown speed yeah. and the canoe didn't move an inch and then we turn at six or eight miles an hour and the canoe nearly falls off it's like that was a really good job tying that canoe down george <laughs> <laughs> we, the look I, I wish we would have had that on like a, a a dash cam or something of our faces because it was like what like the back was just a weather van the, f- the back of the yeah, canoe oh, just yeah. flying yeah, yeah, yeah. Behind sure it was about a 30 degree angle on the top of my tri- car yeah it was like oh <laughs> yeah. well what's up with the canoe when you're going grouse hunting so we have a family uh cabin that's on the canadian minnesota canadian border and um the only way in is by float plane or you portage in so we portage uh, a quarter mile from the car down to the edge of a, of a lake and uh, put our all the everything we can carry and our guns and a and a one year old black lab mm-hmm. into a canoe and then we got a paddle. It's probably I don't know seven miles, five miles up in, into another lake and then that's where our little cabin is. It's, it's, there's two connecting lakes. Yeah, yeah. Steve just said uphill. Yeah, it was uphill. I, he did say up, so I was thinking it was uphill. Yeah, sorry, both ways. Anyway, up meaning we yeah. were traveling north. Sure. And uh, and this is uh, again a remote cabin. There's no power. There's no roads. There's no nothing. But we have some outboard motors there and some small boats. And once and you get there, once you get there, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we get there, and uh, sorry, I guess I'm taking over the story because so John has never hunted. And, and I'm thinking, well, boy, growing up as a grown up grouse hunting as a kid, I'm pretty sure I shot my first grouse with a 22. So I bring a 12 gauge shotgun, um, and my dad's, uh, Winchester 22 rifle. And it's gotta be from the 
50s. I don't know. We still have it. It's it's awesome little 22. And I hand that to John, and he's like, oh, and the whole way up, he's never seen a rough grouse. So I'm trying to explain to him what a rough grouse is. And uh, so anyway, I'll fast forward. We get we get to the cabin. We're, the next morning, we go out, and we're going to go grouse hunting. So I got a shotgun in case they fly. John has a 22 rifle. This is in, you know, they've never seen it. Most of them never seen a human. Sure. So they don't really fly. They usually just jump up in a tree and stare at you. And uh, you explained, of course, how this was going to go down to your buddy. Yeah, yeah. I said, "Well, they'll be walk- they're probably going to see the thing walking on the ground unless my black lab gunner smells it and then flushes it, and then I'll be there with a shotgun. Don't try to shoot it flying with a twenty-two. <laughs> and uh, anyway, we're walking down this uh, moose trail, or John was walking on the moose trail, and I was up up slope a little bit waiting for if he flushed one or the dog flushed one. And I happen to look over and I see John like sitting there, stand there and he's looking through the woods and you ever, you see someone with a very inquisitical look on their face or their whole body language says, Hmm, I think that's what I'm supposed to be. We're after, but I have no idea. And so after three, three mountings of the 22 rifle at something and three shrugs of the shoulder, the fourth one, finally, I hear the, I'm looking over at him and the 22 rifle goes, and then the notorious, if you're a grouse hunter, we all know it, flop, 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 I'm on the, on the ground because he's flapping his wings. And I went, oh my gosh. And he looks uphill at me and goes, like, looks at me like, well, I don't, don't even know what, what I, I just do. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you got one. And he's like, I did? I go, yeah, that's a rough grouse. This is so awesome. So that was his first rough grouse. The way you described it, he told you, you'll know it when you see it. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. about all he well, really said. You'll know it's a grouse when you see it. Yeah, I saw some bird walking around the forest floor, and I'm like, well, all right, that's got to be a grouse. What else would do that? <laughs> <laughs> it was... It was so awesome. I mean, I, I can, I could walk all of us in this room to the exact spot on that lake, on that moose trail, guaranteed. And, and then John and I went up there like three more times after that. And there's a lot more other stories we go into. We actually brought decoys one year and tried to duck hunt. We did duck hunt, but I think the only thing we got were a McGanzer or two or whatever. But it was, we've had. We've had some great adventures. So that first rough grouse a long, long time ago to today. I believe there's three dogs in the back of your truck. There are. You know, yeah. George, uh, actually, my my wife uh, talked to George and said, well, I'd like to, John John should get a gun. He, should need, he needs a shotgun. And, of course, she asked George, and George's like, oh, yeah, I'll get you. So my wife arranged to buy a gun with George's advice and consultation consultation. And, uh, then a couple years later, she's, Oh, I think John would like a rifle. (laughs) Goes to George again. So I got a nice rifle. George bought me a bottom of the barrel shotgun, but (laughs) that was, it's 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 been upgraded of late. Uh, <laughs> so I learned my lesson. Okay, I got him a pretty low grade. I, I didn't get him. His wife got him on my advice. I'll just get him this shotgun, right? I mean, it's a it's a workhorse type shotgun. But 
on the uh, second. Was it an 870? You got it. It is a boat paddle. Yes. But it, is it, does it, it does everything. It did everything. Mm-hmm. It, My first shotgun upland as well. Birds, yeah. ducks, deer, yeah. uh, turkey. It it was really literally probably the most frugal thing my wife said there's a lot of me. people listening right now that says heck yeah my first gun too absolutely 870 remington 870 pump not yep. not only so not only with his 870 is he shot a lot of stuff yeah craig but we, we've had a grouse camp in northern wisconsin i used to have a, a a camp but we've been doing a grouse camp like we hear at quail camp for 25 26 26 this is this year was our this year was our official 26 year grouse camp but john and i've had about 28 or 29 years of grouse camps together john was the first one out of me my two brothers uh friend from georgia bill cunningham uh our friend john schallenberg from nebraska John Malin, the guy who never carried a gun or whatever, shot the first limit of rough grouse, five grouse in one day. Uh, I've only done it one time in my life. I can always get to four, but I can never get the fifth one. And he got that five with that 870 that his wife bought him, and it was it was awesome. But after the 870, she said she wanted to get him that rifle, Weatherby. 7mm mag. Ooh, you stepped it up a little bit. Yeah, it's a beautiful rifle. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. it is. Well, um, lots of wisdom has been passed along here. Uh, some of it, I feel, is worth retaining. Some of it, not necessarily, but that is the sign of all good camps. In all our friendships and camps and get-togethers, um, in all of your years, uh, maybe you guys can all think about this, what? What is the best thing that you have taken away from these hunts together in this friendships? I mean, how do you put into words the the lifetime of memories that you guys have, have taken from getting away from everything for a week and spending it together? Well, in terms of wisdom from a, a hunting skill standpoint, you really need to listen to the people that have done this before. And I learned a lot from George uh, along the way. Uh, this is my first time hunting quail. And I'd never seen a quail, never heard a quail. And, you know, George, similar to grouse hunting, described, you know, so you'll see a covey of quail. And when you do that, you got to make sure you pick out one bird and follow that bird and try and shoot that bird. Don't flock shoot. Just yeah. Find a bird, shoot it. Uh, Travis, you mentioned birds are near clusters of small bushes or a small tree in the middle of the field. Well, today I'm walking through a, a grass field and I literally went to every tree with my dog, Sadie. And one of the trees we went to, I think about 15 birds busted out of an area the size of a, a, a tire. And I'm like, oh, my Lord, what just happened? <laughs> and I, and then I'm like, all right, I'm turning, and a bird, three birds are going away from me. And I hear in the back of my head, pick out one bird, pick out one bird, pick out one bird. And I picked out one bird, shot, bird drop. So you got to listen to people that 
that have done this before and are good at it and pick up their knowledge. So from a knowledge standpoint, and you want to get better at this stuff, listen to the people that have done it and are good at it and learn from them. Accept the invitation if you get it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How about, um, is a, I, I, I know most people listening have their groups of friends. You guys are a special group, really close. Um, the, the memories that you make here and the, the, the value of these friendships, what does it mean to you outside of the week that you spend together hunting? Can you even put it into words? It might be tough to. It's it's hard, you know. I I, I hunt a lot of different things. I, you know, a lot of upland birds. I hunt deer. I hunt waterfowl, and uh, I've got some different groups of friends, with, based on the different types of birds I hunt. Uh, and it's always nice because the anticipation when the season's ready to start, all of a sudden the email activity or texting starts to pick up, and it's like the planning starts and all the communications going, uh, and it's just good to have that kind of refresh and recharge yourself from kind of the monotony of, of life and, and depending on what your job is and where you live and all that stuff. Uh, you know, I live in, in a big city and there's not a lot of people that hunt and fish and enjoy the outdoors like, uh, like they should. Uh, they don't understand it. And it's great to like kind of, reconnect with all the people that love the outdoors whether it's hunting fishing or just walking in in nature it's uh it's 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 really good for for me to keep it all keep it all going yeah steve how about for you well it's uh i enjoy getting together with everybody and it's we come together because of hunting because that's our our common denominator and uh but I like it because of the stories that come out of it. Just the goofy things that happen, you know, giving the guy the business about missing a shot or something. And then Michelle will attest to this, that uh, she's heard every story that ever happened numerous times. And probably every time we get together, same stories come up. And it's just making more stories. We just keep building onto that dictionary, that encyclopedia of stories that we just keep coming up with. It's amazing how it just gets seared right in. And you just remember it, you know, the, the, the things that happen. Go ahead, Michelle. Well, and I have nothing to contribute to the longstanding friendship, but being a listener in the car. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Today, you don't have nothing? No, no, but today. You have a lot to contribute. You make this happen. The wives at home that aren't at the camp when the guys go are, are making it happen. But just today, Absol- absolutely. Just keep telling everybody how, tell all the wives how important it is. Just, <laughs> just roll on. You're doing great. But today, it's just so powerful. It's just such a reminder in the backseat, listening to them. Like, okay, remember when we were right here at that one spot, right, right down? Oh yeah, it was down this road where it was this. So they, the the memories they have, the exact location. And, and yeah, when this dog did this, in fact, today they brought up a story of, of one of our dogs that passed and, and how he would honor a point. And they knew, ex- they, they were talking the same story before they even knew it. And just to hold all of that and now being a witness to what it looks like, but to hold all those minute details and where you were and what was up that ridge and, it's powerful. It's powerful what you can pay attention to. 
and, and hold as a true, meaningful piece, you know, to occupy your brain when so much else can clutter it. Do you feel like being here tonight, walking out there in the field, watching the dogs go on point, watching the birds get up, we take the shots, we bring the birds back, we clean them, and we, we prepare them out there. And, I mean, we put a plate down, and within seconds, I feel like it's empty. And did you anticipate the food tasting that? Like, I feel like you really enjoyed it. Oh, my God. No, it was, it was amazing. It was wonderful. And it was done really, you know, very responsibly. And, you know, I just don't feel like, I just think it was a true culmination of everything we've done and all the hard work and everything you guys have been looking for and carefully, you know, marking the path and walking. And, you know, it wasn't, I don't know, it was, it was really neat and it was excellent. It was very good. Yeah. Um, Britt, do you, <clears throat> would you like to add anything to this conversation as far as you know talking about these these friends of yours here sure I, I think part of the excitement too is the going to these different places and and new spots and so the excitement of or the anticipation of what mm -hmm. what could be there and and steve and i when we've come down here now you know some spots you do have and uh so you're always relying on those spots but mm -hmm. um you know, you're going out looking for new areas too. And so it's, that's, that's huge fun too. So. How about these guys just in, in all the years of friendships and, and memories that you've made? What, what do you hold closest? <laughs> Story, stories and just, just being with them. Yeah. Just the, just the hanging. George, would you like to add anything to, um, this crew that you're celebrating this hunt with this weekend? Um, yeah. Um, I just look around the room and, and I go from, you know, I, my, my mind can't wrap my head around how long John and I've known each other and, and the tales we've had, whether it's in the field, in the woods, or oh, crepes on the city streets, you know, whatever. Uh, and then Britt and Michelle and Steve and, and Craig, only knowing Craig for a little over a year, I think it was a year ago, right? Yeah, a little over a year. I look, I look at Craig and go, he's fitting. He just fits right in the whole mold. Uh, you know, birds of a feather flock together, kind of deal. Mm -hmm. I feel like Craig is like a brother that I didn't know for the last. Well, I'm over 50 and he's younger than 50 but he could so he's like seriously i mean we were we it's it's that it's this whole like michelle just said it's like you, you get around like-minded people and and you start telling stories like craig might have started telling stories about him growing up and and this is this is back in south dakota when we we're on this um pheasants forever deal and you just you you just tune into that, like, oh yeah, I know exactly what Craig's saying because I haven't been to that spot, but I'm in a spot like that. And whatever he's done with his friends, I've probably done with my friends sitting around here. And so, uh, that, that's one. That the other reason, the other, the second factor of why we're sitting around this kitchen table is because my friend Craig Poor offered up his house or his cousin's house in the town we're in, and and said. 
instead of staying in a hotel, I've, we've got a house and come on over and, and see me. And we, I think knowing each other for about 30 seconds a year ago, we went, wow, I can hang out with that guy. Some people and just uh, click instantly and it's, it's awesome when that happens. And you just like, you find yourself in different places that you'd never expected. Like the time we sat down in Kansas city at the dinner table together, George, and I happened to sit next to you and I don't know what happened that night, but my goodness, we've been from Ontario to Wyoming, to Oklahoma, to Dakotas, to Montana. I, I, it, we just add another destination every year and you just never know how it's going to play out, but it's pretty cool when you share the same joys in life and the same passions and you just want to experience a lot of great things together it's it um like i keep looking across the table with michelle and michelle's words are so um heartfelt and just means so much to me and what this group is and um again craig being new to this group it just feels like he's been part of the group the whole dang time when I met him. And and Travis, you and I, it's like it, there's something out there in the spirit world that just brings um, people to get. Michelle just said, good people find good people. And she's spot on. And uh, I have the greatest friends. And uh, to share these experiences together, you just can't. Uh, you try to describe it all. Yeah. And I know people listening will go, yep, we get it. Yep. Yep. I, yeah. Um, I don't know how to add to that. Um, I usually have a list of questions in my mind to keep conversations going, but it's, it's, uh, well, it's, it's even with me, you know, I'm again, sixth generation farmer. I drive this countryside all the time and I commented to the, to these guys, uh, or you guys, when we were hunting that, you know, I think I know where the birds are. I, I didn't know where the birds were all, all, you know, last three days. And, uh, you know, I have a, I have a group of, of hunters that come out and they've been coming out for 20 years before we farmed a chunk of ground and then have continued since, you know, 04 with our crew and, and then I have a group of guys from college that come out and the same way, just like stepping into this group, you know, I know those two groups. And like Michelle said, it's kind of an unspoken language. You know, when you grab your gun, you put your vest on, you step out on the, you step out on the field, whether it's, you know, happens to be a sorghum field or whatever field, you know, you, you kind of look to your left, you look to your right, you know, your guys, you know, everybody kind of knows it's an unspoken, unspoken word of, we're going to walk forward and we're going to watch the dogs. We're going to watch them work. And when the birds come up, we're going to try to bring something home to the plate. And it, it really, and I've hunted with, uh, we've had other people come in, uh, with my, with my college buddies, like you said, everybody gets busy and we just kind of keep dwindling off and, and people kind of, and so we add a new person in and I mean, it's just, it's just crazy how boom they're right there with us. I mean, they know what's going on and, so it, it's just, I mean, it's this weekends like this are, are camaraderie. It's, 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 it's friendship. It's getting together. It's, 
it's hunting, it's adventure, it's learning something new, it's gathering flowers to put in a shotgun shell <laughs> or weeds. Um, you know, coming to a little podunk town in Alton or in Kansas, uh, and uh, you know, driving around and 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 shooting shooting some shells. So, well, I was thinking about talking about sorghum and some other topics too, and I didn't know how our conversation would go here tonight. Um, Craig, you live here, you see the land, um, people that still want to come down and hunt in Kansas, what, what can they expect when they come down? If they've hunted here before, is it better than it's been? Uh, where are we at? Uh, th this year we're probably going to be, it's going to be a little lower. Pheasant population is down and we've talked a lot about quail, but pheasant mm -hmm. population is down quite a bit. Uh, now why is that, um, uh, drought? You know, we had a we had really really heavy heavy rains back in nineteen and um, in in certain parts of the year that can that can hurt the pheasant and and the quail. The quail have stayed pretty strong. I mean, I and as we've discussed, you know, you can walk by them. I I can be walking through a, a down a fence line, uh, repairing fence, driving across the field, you know, on a ranger or, or ATV or whatever, and all of a sudden, boom, they'll take up, well, uh, or flush. Um, but with your dogs and I mean, even some of these guys here being, being North, you know, I've, I've, I left, um, to go on vacation and went somewhere a little more, uh, humid and all of a sudden, mm. wow, I could breathe again, um, after the second day. And then, and then, you know, I mentioned to one of them, like we're really dry and they kind of sniffed a little bit and I'm like, Oh, Hey, you know it too. Well, <laughs> so do the dogs. Yeah. Uh, and, and when it's dry, I mean, the dogs, the dogs have trouble. I mean, and they're running a level below us. We're running above, you know, the cut sorghum, the cut, you know, the cut grass and, and the pastures. And I mean, they're, and they're smelling what, 10 times more than what we are or 50. I don't know what that number was. It, that was a terrible number, but um, it's a lot more than that, a but, lot more than that. Yeah. But so, I mean, they're, they're, they're breathing it in, but, um, you know, we were in a drought. There's lots of sorghum that's been in our area and to the west and east, you know, in our in our uh, bird country area. There's there's a lot of sorghum and crops that have been cut and they've been put up for hay. I mean, the fields are the fields have been mowed off around here. It's a little bit lighter on that, but we definitely have a lower a lower, uh, you know, coverage, lower, you know, lower habitat and. I mean, it's just going to be down this year. I mean, I I told you guys we we would have uh, told George. I said it'll be fine. Quill will be great. I'll get you on them. I'm probably fifty fifty, and I even know where to go. I think most of the time. I mean, I just know them from you know day to day activities. So yeah, uh, George, somebody wants to come quail hunting. Give them give them the quick tutorial here. How would you? Where would you tell them to go look? What what do they need to do? Well, number one, you need to be by a food source. Number two, let me, let me restate that. Number one, hunt as slow as you possibly can. I, uh, you know, we're down here celebrating our friendship and our our lives together. And one thing that it's that it's done for us is it's helped us hunt slow. When it's so dry out, you got to slow the pace down. You got to let the dogs work. We've we've already talked about how close the the quail have been uh, pointed, mm -hmm. flush from us, all that. Slow it down, but um, it's no different than any other year. You need cover and you need a food source, and hunt close to those two, and mm -hmm. and you'll find them. Um, 
yeah, I think it's 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 tough conditions right now. So it um, just take your time. Yeah, but it's also rewarding as heck when you make it happen, right? I mean, it is rewarding as heck when the dogs do find the bird and you do make the shot and you do get to bring it back. And that's the whole point. That's why we're down here. Yeah, it, absolutely. So I, I guess what I'm saying is if you have the opportunity, come down to Kansas. There's still some time left in the season. The birds are here. You don't know what the weather's going to do in the next couple of days. Might be fantastic scenting conditions. Let's hope and pray that that's the case. And um, you guys get to spend a few more days together here. And I can't wait to hear more stories uh, about how the rest of the hunt goes. And uh, I appreciate you being open and sharing what you're going through and um, just giving us a glimpse into this lifelong friendship that you guys have all shared. It's a pretty cool thing. I hope that people listening, um, if they've had these hunting groups and it's maybe been a while since they've gotten together, that maybe you just think about this and say, I need to call the guys or I need to call the gals and say, we need to get together again. Wherever it is that you started doing years ago, I know life is busy, but it goes fast. And if you have the opportunities, take them. Don't pass them up. We talk about this all the time in hunting. If you have the chance to bring somebody new, do that too. But really, this this conversation, I think it just sinks into me, the value of the friendships that I've made and the friendships that we've made even this this weekend you know and so it's it's really important uh with that um unless anybody else has anything they want to add i'm gonna i'm gonna say thanks for listening and we do have a live podcast coming up january 26th at bear cave brewing in hopkins minnesota so that's only geez i think like two weeks away uh and then after that we have pheasant fest shortly after so I uh, love when you guys come to the live shows, meet you. Uh, I love being able to meet everybody that listens. I appreciate all the listeners. Uh, I speak for everybody at our company that your support, uh, it means the world to us. And um, we look forward to hanging out with all of you guys in the coming weeks. Hunting season is not over. You can come to Kansas. There are other states that are still open. It's worth the drive. Make the time and bring the loved ones with and enjoy the time in the field. With that, we'll be back next week with another episode of the Flush Podcast. Mm-hmm.